This is Fluid Truth, and I'm attorney Shirley Skyers Thomas. We explore a simple question of whether there is equity in the justice system. The content offered in this segment is personal reflection and interpretation. The views of my guests are not necessarily the views of Fluid Truth or Quinnipiac University. For clarity, this conversation has been edited. I'm pleased to introduce Dr. Larry Wilner as my guest today. Dr. Wilner has been a practicing physician for over 30 years in the field of chiropractic care. His practice, Advanced Chiropractic and Rehab, is in Shelton, Connecticut. Dr. Wilner is a member of the International Chiropractic Association and the Connecticut Chiropractic Association. I'm so glad that Dr. Wilner sat down with me and shared his insight about wellness, economics, and care, as well as sharing a story with us here at Fluid Truth. All right, Dr. Larry, welcome. I'm so glad you're able to sit down with me. Can you give us a really short intro of yourself? So the short intro is I'm Dr. Larry Wilner, a chiropractor. I've been in practice in Shelton, Connecticut over the last 32 years. Practiced in New York for one year before that. And you can very quickly go from the young kid to the old old dude. And so when I was young in practice, I was younger than like 100% of my patients. And now that's not the case anymore, but that's okay. So practice is still fun, still enjoying it, still helping a lot of people. And... um, I guess maybe later on we can talk a little bit about what it is that I do. Um, not everybody understands chiropractic. Feel free to jump into that right now. What do you do? So what brings most people into my office is pain, whether it be back pain, neck pain, headaches, injuries from sporting events, motor vehicle accidents, or just repetitive trauma injuries. And um, Another kind of like political issue what we've always been up against is that historically in this country, you had one choice of treatments and that was medical treatment. And although there's different subspecialists within medicine, they're all medical doctors. And so my opinion is, is that if you have a musculoskeletal problem and you're treating it through chemistry, for lack of a better term, it's just stupidity. Now there's time and a place for everybody. And if you have an acute injury, you know, then anti-inflammatories may be appropriate. Um, But all the studies that have been done over the last X number of years show that chiropractors get better, faster results and for less money than anything else out there. And the really nice thing about what we do is it is fairly innocent to each person in that the risk of seeing a chiropractor is incredibly low. And the way we know that is it's not just, you know, lip service. It's kind of like what we have to pay for malpractice opposed to what the MDs pay. Anyway, so there's a huge difference and you know, you're a patient in my office and you see a lot of people coming and going and hopefully most of them are leaving with big smiles on their faces. Uh, and that's, that's what makes it a pleasure to continue going back into the office. So in our office, it is pain that brings most people into my office initially and they gradually will start to feel better. But really what juices me up is that we're able to keep people on the playing field. And I never see myself as a pain guy. I'm pretty good at it, but I'm a function guy. And when you improve function, then everything else starts to follow opposed to a medical approach, except for rare exceptions, medicine is all about minimizing symptoms, right? They're symptom suppressants. And this is a whole nother topic that I can go on and on and on for. Most chiropractors that I know, it's actually a bit of a mission. It's not just the job, but it's keeping people away from potentially dangerous drugs and surgery. And again, I'm not against medicine. My daughter is uh, a resident right now for neurology. And obviously I support her, everything that she's doing in her practice. 
but actually just recently, because she's actually a DO opposed to an MD, even though the training's exactly the same, she had sent me a text a couple of weeks ago that for the first time she had a headache patient come into the clinic that she was working at, and she opted to do hands-on, you know, the osteopaths don't call it adjustments, but spinal manipulation. And I got back to her and I said, were you nervous? Were you scared? Because she doesn't really get the opportunity to do that. She just walks around with her, her little pad writing scripts because really that's what her training is. But she decided to do hands-on stuff. And I said, what was the patient's reaction? And she said, she just loved it. I'm like, yeah, don't lose that art. So that's a little bit about what I do. And, and, you know, I see everything in my office from people who have to be carried into the office because the pain is so bad to, I mean, quite literally just yesterday, there was a jujitsu world champion, as well as um, um, one of my patients, Andy, I've known for about a, a year, who was uh, a wrestler in the 1988 Olympics in Greco-Roman and even won the gold medal in Pan American Games. So I love treating athletes also because they get it, you know, it's, how do I perform better? And when you look at professional athletes these days, you know, they're all multi-million dollar players, ball players. And it's not like the old days where they used to inject them with painkillers on the field. And, you know, the coach would be like, just get back out there. No, they're not going to risk their lives in their career. Um, and so they know better. And, and most of these top athletes will see people like me. So that all makes great sense. And actually it's a perfect segue because you've treated how many countless, I know you can't count this at the point, at this point, how many people have you seen in and out of your doors? So I think you're in this perfect position to offer your perspective and your vantage point because it's a really unique one. So when we think about overarching equity, is there anything that jumps out for you? Well, equity in, the, in my practice, you know, everybody's treated the same way. I mean, that's something I really take great pride in is, um, whether I'm, I'm getting $5 a visit or significantly more than that, you know, I try to put my all into everything, but I've discovered this over the years also, and we never discussed this in the past. People who are self-employed also look at the world a little bit differently. You know, nothing's going to really slow them down. They have a job to do. We don't get sick days. No, you don't. Self-employed man. No, you do not. Um, so now at one point we were talking about how the government, not even the reimbursement piece, but that is one, but how the government and how that system views practices differently and views patients differently. Do you ever need to see that? Do you ever, does that ever come across your, your examination table? Your adjustment table? No, your adjustment table. Let me say it right. For us, the big injustice is when we're dealing with, in the state of Connecticut, Husky patients or people that are on the state's healthcare system, and I'm glad that we have a safety net for people. But many years ago, the governor of Connecticut uh, had decided that those chiropractors were making too much money off of it, um, and we were getting paid a whopping $9 a visit. And so clearly that wasn't very much, and we are not really the big drain. I think last time I checked, chiropractors represent one half of 1% of the total healthcare dollar in this country. So we're really an insignificant speck of nothing. Um, but healthcare, like a lot of aspects uh, in this country, lobbying groups do make a big difference. And I don't think we have a lot of money behind us. Anyway, so, so we had lost everything having to do with state reimbursements, um, um, for people that are in the, those programs. And again, I'll, I'll make my office as affordable for people as they want, if they want my care. But a lot of times people have to make economic decisions. And so to see me, they have to pay something out of pocket. And to see somebody else who may be doing or treating the same kind of condition that I'm treating, 
there's no money out of pocket. And so if you have to make an economic decision, you kind of steered into that direction, which by the way, often means higher ticket items, even though the patient doesn't see the real cost, but the cost to society is much higher or the cost to the state is, you know, can be very significant. And sometimes they may be steered into procedures that maybe they didn't want or they they didn't need, you know, maybe they weren't educated about it, or maybe, you know, somebody was incentivized on the other parts, not that they're bad people, but that's what their training is. So in my world, um, very often, you know, you'll see anatomical lesions, which could be a disc herniation. It doesn't mean necessarily that was the cause of the problem, or I have plenty of patients who have disc herniations who will heal from conservative treatments, whether it's uh, adjustments that we provide, or it could be strengthening exercises, or it could be some type of PT therapy without having to do something invasive. But in this world, if you're a hammer, you see the whole world as a nail. So if you're the ortho, if you're a neurosurgeon and you see a herniation and there's enough um, nerve irritation on that, it'll be like Mrs. Jones, I don't know what to tell you, but this is something you need to do. And the success rate with these back surgeries is far from being 100%. And again, one of the ways that you know it, and we were alluding to this before, is you know, just a cost of malpractice. Orthos pay usually north of 200,000 bucks a year, and neurosurgeons are paying north of 300,000 a year these days. I pay like, I think it's somewhere between 16 and 1800 dollars. So there's a significant difference, which would indicate the safety in terms of what it is that we're doing. Wow, that's actually pretty significant. Yeah, I think most people are not really aware of it. And when I've had conversations with friends of mine that are orthopedists, you know, and they talk about the issues with malpractice, and I'm like, they're like, you guys got to deal with this. And I'm like, well, not, not really, not really. Part of what makes practice fun as well is that it's not something I have to worry about. And a lot of healthcare these days is, you know, docs practicing defensively. And I understand why they have to think about that but it gets them away from really taking care of patients the right way. We're supposed to be the holistic guys. And sometimes that term becomes very confusing to people. And sometimes patients will ask me, are you one of those holistic doctors? And you know, my response to them is, you know, do I chant over candles? No, not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's not me. Do I look at the body as a whole unit? I don't, I don't know any other way to look at it. I mean, it's just what's logical. And so it's logical, you know, and I love debating. I like debating anyway, it's part of my background, um, which kind of makes me a pain in the rear end, but I especially like debating medical doctors because although at times what they do is absolutely necessary and could be life savings, it, it is not logical in the world of wellness. It's crisis care. We have to, as a society, get away from crisis care management and get into a wellness kind of system so when we talk about, again, now more equity in this world, um, roughly 90% of your healthcare dollar is going to be spent in the last six to 12 months of your life. To me, doesn't really make a lot of sense, but that's what the numbers are. You know, in the United States, we spend, I think it's roughly twice as much as the closest country per capita, you know, in healthcare expenses. And I'm all in favor of Americans getting the biggest and the best of everything but you want to get you know, good bang for your buck. And one of the ways you can determine that very simply is what's the life expectancy? And the last time I had looked, the United States is 48th on the list. I mean, we suck, right? So I, I defy most people to even come up with 48 other countries, let alone the 48 that are in front of us. So we really have to reinvent what it is that we do. And this gets back into what I said before is that until recent history, medicine is a complete monopoly in this country. 
And now people are waking up to the fact that, gee, there are chiropractors out there, there's acupuncture, there's massage therapy, that there are physical trainers in the gym who could bring you to the next level. You know, with Google, there's unlimited information about diet and nutrition. So there are all kinds of things that we can be doing on a proactive basis, yet we seem to be going in the wrong direction. So you hit on something interesting, Dr. Larry. So this concept of wellness, and I do see you as one of the holistic guys, kind of look at the whole body. Um, But when we think about wellness, it just really intrigued me as you were speaking about it, because is wellness open to everyone? And I suppose that's uh, another aspect of equity. Is this wellness conversation open to everyone? So in the wellness arena, a lot of that becomes cash items. And so not everybody has the same deep pockets. So there, there are a number of nutrients that I happen to take. Well, that's money out of my pocket every month. You know, third party doesn't pick that up. And again, I'm very sensitive to the fact that economics <laughs> rule everything. By the way, my undergraduate degree is in economics. So I think that that, that is what determines um, the driving force for most human beings. And so that kind of system makes it unfair. So then when you look at, you know, insurance. So we always think about insurance and healthcare being your medical treatment. But sometimes you can look at other things like, did you have the ability to join the local gym? Well, not everybody does. Um, Do you think all cars on the road are equal in terms of from a safety standpoint? I mean, if you could afford to drive a Mercedes, man, they have the latest, greatest safety things and probably, by the way, thicker sheet metal then I'm just picking one car, you know, if it's Toyota, Toyota Corolla, you know, they're not, they're, they're not the same. And so is that healthcare? That could be construed as healthcare. You know, am I healthcare? You know, I, I think so. Um, you know, most of my patients will report over time is that not only did their back feel better, but they're sleeping better. They have more energy. They seem to get sick less often. You know, that, that's what healthcare is. So sometimes I get into the conversation with patients, the difference between healthcare self-care and crisis care and most most people are living in crisis care right you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait until something terrible happens and you deal with it or you don't um self-care are things that we should be doing for ourselves and you don't need an outsider you know i brush my teeth every day i floss every day i may exercise i don't need somebody for that but Uh, And by the way, just yesterday, I got a reminder from my dentist, I'm overdue for my cleaning because they can do a job that I can't do. That's healthcare. No different with what I do. You know, I've been getting adjusted since I'm 19 years old and I've probably told you this, but in 32 years of practice, I haven't had a sick day. You know, I I refuse to believe there's anything magical about me. Maybe I didn't tell you based on your reaction, but, um, but, but that is factually true. And, you know, I don't, I refuse to believe that I won the DNA pool of the best genes in the world. But again, if you do more of the right things, your, your body's just going to behave better. Anyway, so I would be another example of, I can't adjust myself. I've been in practice for 32 years. I'm trying to do this. I can't do it. I can't massage myself either for that matter. And that's another one of these things, you know, massage therapy is not just like, oh, my muscles feel looser. I mean, it, it does a lot for your well-being, anything from lymphatic flow, blood flow, relaxation, better sleep. You know, this is all really, really important stuff. So access is, you're really bringing it despite this not being a justice conversation, but equity is equity. So when we have access, 
to these additional services and we have access to um, to healthcare in a different way. To me, this seems like the economics of healthcare, and we don't have to dive deep on this, but this seems like um, what your economics will determine. And for those who can, maybe they have the benefits of feeling better and walking away, being able to come to be treated by you and in, in you know similar types of practitioners. What do you think about that one? So healthcare is kind of weird with economics because it's not just you know what your bank account says. Sometimes it's the type of coverage that somebody may have. Now, if if your bank account is deep enough, you know it doesn't matter really what what your insurance policy is. So I'm a self-employed guy. I got to pay roughly thirty-five thousand dollars before my insurance company pays a cent. Most people don't have that. Right. So, so then what happens? I got the sniffles. I have a cold. I, I had an injury to my elbow. I probably, you know, if I didn't have the means, I would stay away from, you know, the healthcare system and I would try to deal with it on my own. So that's somebody who may even have the means. Um, sometimes you don't have the means, but you know, you belong to a union and they seem to have, you know, good coverage or, you're, um, you know, you're over 65 and you're part of the Medicare system and you're going to have coverage for that. So there's, there's tremendous injustices, both the people who are, you know, look, you could be the blue collar worker and you're working three jobs and none of them are over 40 hours. So you didn't get any benefits. And that person falls through the cracks. And, uh, you know, of all the people that I meet, that, that that's going to be the group that I feel sorry for because I mean, they're busting their butt every day and there's no safety net for them. There are other people who, like I said, they fit into the income levels are very low. They have the state Medicaid or welfare or Husky system, and it gives you coverage, but it doesn't give you access to necessarily the best docs. It give you access to people who are going to accept it. But if you're the best of the best, sometimes you just say it's, you know, they're discounted rates and I'm not going to accept that. And so not everybody understands that, you know. I want to believe that everybody's going to do the best job, but you know, there's leaders in the field, and there are those that are maybe not quite as, quite as good. Um, and again, so then, you know, if you certainly have the means, then you can just pay out of pocket and, you know, see whoever you want to see. So it's not just it's not just about economics and what somebody's income is or what their wealth is, and sometimes it has to do with what your third party reimbursement is going to be. And we're at a point now where there's a crazy differential in terms of what uh, any office may might make get paid. That clarification makes a lot of sense to me and um, not being in that field. Thank you for that. So share a story with me. Tell me okay. something that you have encountered that highlights any one of these um, principles or any one of these uh, bits of information I thought we were going to talk about something easy, like, you know, what's the weather like today? Yeah, good try. Good try, Larry. No, <laughs> overcast. I got invited to watch a, um, a surgery once. It was happened to have been a knee or meniscus surgery. I don't think we ever talked about this. And, you know, this particular patient in early 60s, you know, I got invited in, Ms. Dr. Wilner is going to be watching today, uh, what are we doing? The patient said my knee, and uh, the orthopedist said, which knee, right knee, puts a big X on it, and he says, then, what's your pain level? And the patient said, I don't have any pain at all. Now, 
I was an invited guest and I did not say anything, but I really wanted to grab the guy by the collar and say, dude, you got nothing better to do on a Tuesday. And this gets back to, he did have damage in his knee, no question about it. He had a meniscus tear. I actually have a meniscus tear. Uh, in fact, I have three tears. And because there was an anatomical lesion, it gave the ortho the green light to say, yeah, let's get rid of this lesion, which is to cut around. And it was a really interesting procedure, by the way. You know, and I know it's the first surgery I ever got to see. And so he cleaned up, you know, the frayed segments of, of the meniscus. The problem is the meniscus is also a stabilizer for the knee. And I had asked this ortho, what percent of the knee did, or meniscus did you remove? And he said about a third. And, you know, sometimes I'm a bit of a wise guy. I said, but the patient, and he was under, he was under anesthesia when I said this. Um, I said, but he didn't have any pain and the meniscus is, you know, it's a stabilizer. And, it, and the ortho got a little, uh, you know, a little upset with me. But again, so are we supposed to do procedures based on anatomical lesions or based on functional problems? And so this particular patient, he didn't have any pain, he didn't have any functional problems. So what are we doing the procedure for? So, you know, I've been told by many docs, even with my own knee, you're crazy, you know, for not having uh, the procedure done. And I first tore it probably like five years ago. And the reality is five years later, it feels better than it did five years ago. So those kind of things happen. Um, you know, the big thing with my office is that 99% of new patients who come in, um, come in specifically for this one reason, I'm in pain, please help me. And almost from day one, I will tell patients, no problem, I'm going to most likely be able to help you with your pain. I'm not a pain guy, I'm a function guy. And if you improve function, pains will go away. And it's a different way of looking at life. And so my patients are wired a little bit differently than patients who are in the medical world. The medical world is, it's kind of like a patient comes in to me and they have a back issue. And they say, look, what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna put a back brace on you until your pain goes away. Because the back, you know, having this back support is gonna give your back a chance to rest. And there are times where it is appropriate, but in most, most cases, it's actually not appropriate. You actually wanna use your body. Anyway, so if all we do is depend on this brace, what does that tell your musculature to do as time goes on? Work harder or you're saying to the muscles, you know, take it easy. So in a lot of ways, you know, when you go down the medical route, that's what happens also. You become dependent on this outside source. You know, whether you're looking at somebody who has cholesterol problems or anxiety or depression problems or I don't know what else, uh, reflux, you know, they're all anti-something. And if you take the drug away from the patients or the medication, it, did their problem improve? You know, opposed to looking at the function. So if you, somebody has reflux, for example, maybe we want to work on their diet. And so these are things that I get to like roll up my sleeves uh, with patients as well. Thanks for jumping in. Thank you for jumping in with both feet and not just talking about the weather. This is good stuff. Um, and in conclusion, just thank you so much. I appreciate the work you do. I appreciate the work you do on me. And uh, thank you for being the holistic wellness guy. But wait, for me. absolutely. Thanks for listening in today. Special thanks to our producer, John Markward, and executive producer, David DeRoche. Music is provided by Audio Hero from their Jazz Lounge album. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts. 
If you have a story to share or something you want to talk about, find us on social media or shoot us an email. That address is qupodcast at qu.edu. On the next show, I'll be sitting down with Clive Terralong, track and field athlete, Olympian, and coach. All right, that's it for today. Till next time.